Hi, welcome to another episode of the Autism Everyday Podcast. We are your hosts, Geeta and Swati. Welcome back. Stop, pause and go give us a thumbs up rating. We are so honored to share that this podcast, The Autism Everyday, is now ranked number 35 on the Global Autism Podcast of 2021. Woo! Woohoo indeed. <laughs> so a big thank you to all you listeners out there and please please do keep that love coming our way. Yeah. You know at the risk of sounding like a stuck record. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this given the current scenario, the pandemic and the fact that everyone is at home in confined spaces, we thought this time it would be apt to speak about the M word. The M word? Mm -hmm. What? What is it? Mental health? Yes, you guessed it. (laughs) Okay, I have to make a joke at this point and it would be something like this, Mm -hmm. you know, because you said mental health and everything. So, give us a penny for every time someone gasps at the mention of psychiatrist or psychiatric medication or you need to see a counsellor and we would be rich, yo. Yeah. Annie Lennox, knee deep in rupees. <laughs> There'd be a mountain of money. I don't know if you've heard that song. Yeah, right? I know I'd be driving a Tesla. <laughs> right, so now uh, we are both psychologists and behavior analysts, which means ever so often we meet with clients who may require additional inputs from a doctor, specifically a psychiatrist. I'm not saying this happens all the time, but there is a chance that some clients benefit purely from therapy, while some others may require some medication to, you know, amplify the benefits of therapy. Every time we suggest to someone that he or she might benefit from an opinion from a medical professional, there's almost an instant wall that comes up. The wall that has two major components. One being the mention of the phrase mental health and two, the much dreaded pill. In other words, psychiatric medication or SSRIs. Yep, you said it. Strangely, this extreme fear of medication is something we also see in parents of children with autism, ADHD or children suffering from anxiety. What baffles us is that many people we've interacted with have as much as, you know, stated to us that they'd much rather let their child endure the feelings of emotional pain and, you know, emotional suffering rather than exploring the medical route. And interestingly, over the course of many conversations that we've had, we found that parents would much rather deal with aggression in their child or much rather deal with maladaptive behaviors instead of consulting with the doctor and following prescribed medication. So this brings us to this question. Why is mental health seen as such an evil thing? Or if I may rephrase that, why is mental health seen as something that can be avoided? Must be avoided. Must be avoided indeed. Something that can be brushed under the carpet or something that will simply go away without any intervention. Oof. <laughs> Why is mental health something that most people do not want to pay attention to? Yeah. Now, we've heard many reasons for this. For one, 
if a person is seen as needing the inputs of let's say a mental health professional like a counselor or a psychiatrist then they think they're being judged by society for being i quote you know my fingers are up there saying crazy yeah the most common rejoinder to this suggestion would be hey i'm not mad i don't need to see a counselor i don't need to see a psychiatrist there's nothing wrong with me yeah don't make it seem like there's something wrong with me maybe there's something wrong with you yeah <laughs> exactly you need to see one you need to see one i'm okay right then there's the explanation that hey if word gets around about a mental health issue in the family then the family's reputation is gone yeah we've even heard of things like you know if this person requires medical intervention then his or her chances of getting married will be affected in the future and not just that yeah there would be no marriage proposals for not only that individual but even for his or her siblings you got to be kidding <laughs> yep so seeking mental health is somehow seen in our culture as a sign of weakness yeah How many of us here how many of us listening to this podcast can comfortably speak up and say hey i require counseling or hey i meet with my counselor or hey i have an appointment with my psychiatrist and my medication needs a refill yeah yeah very hard right it's almost like you know physical health is seen as something beyond one's control and i think the corona virus is a case right to talk about right it's I mean it's almost like you just got to breathe if you breathe you have coronavirus oh, and yeah. um uh, so it's it's beyond your control you get an infection there's nothing you can do about it but mental health is not seen like that it while is, it should be it should be right it yeah. is almost seen like of course you have control over it disease affects only the body how can disease affect the mind that is a common understanding as for terms like anxiety and stress and depression um these are often seen as excuses doled out by people for their you know or behaviors mm-hmm. or for their ability or inability to do certain things so needing intervention from professionals to deal with things like thoughts emotions and feelings is indicative of a weak person a sissy almost or someone who has lost self control or the ability to help themselves it's easier to find a distraction like a hobby maybe or better still get married <laughs> <laughs> yeah we we've, we've heard that before people saying don't worry things will fall into place once so and so is married and if that so and so happens to be a woman god forbid yeah then the rule is get married and have a child that is a common prescription things will then fall into place for sure this cannot be further from the truth yeah but when it comes to medication either for an adult or for a child there are more reasons you know that you can imagine uh, on why medication will be the end of your or your child's physical health parents of kids with uh, autism often say that medications may damage the child's vital organs livers liver or kidneys in the long run making it harder for the child to be cared for by you know somebody else as they are older then there are others who don't want to become within quotes dependent on psychiatric medication what if i need medication to sleep for the rest of my life or what if i need medication just in order to 
live every day i think that's something we hear very often in yeah. our practice yeah. at proact where a lot of people come into us and say well yes i'm aware i need medication but i don't want to get dependent, dependent on that yeah. dependence that's seen as something really huge right and you know but having said that there is a strange divide in society it's the same urban young population that we're talking about there's one group here which seems to have no qualms at all about you know discussing the fact that they are seeing a therapist they talk about it openly and almost wear it on their sleeve and among the same urban population there are others who are very very apprehensive about seeking help for mental health issues because they perceive it as weakness mm-hmm. and are almost scared that you know they're going to lose out on their friendships and and their family their families yeah, yes absolutely yeah. yeah so that's that's kind of odd i don't know how to explain why some people are like that and why some are like this and they both belong to pretty much the same the same group, group yeah, yeah the same group right so one of the approaches towards mental health and well-being is the weight and watch approach just okay. like we spoke about right i think the benefits you know to the wait and watch uh, it irks me almost no statistics to support us here but the benefits are that maybe the child will just grow out of it yeah. or maybe the adult will outgrow the phase of anxiety and depression yes 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 again this is not data driven is it no it is not it's it's a hope it's a hope <laughs> but what is data driven is mm. the fact that if mental health needs are not addressed in a timely manner both medically and behaviorally it tends to have a snowball effect it does and as a parent uh, or as a patient yourself you might only seek medical help when what started as scratch becomes this big gaping wound that doesn't seem to heal i think that that's really profound something yeah. that starts as a scratch mm-hmm. becomes a gaping wound it does yeah So I mean that brings us to this question this is the autism everyday podcast after all so we are going to talk about autism and your child with autism and this brings us to the question does my child need medication or rather does having autism equal to requiring medication the answer simple and straightforward it's a big fact no autism in itself in no way means that your child has a medical condition he does not he has a developmental disorder right he is different from the others but this is not a medical condition that being said it is important to understand that comorbidities may arise why they arise is due to the deficits or challenges that having autism throws upon the person and this needs to be addressed both medically and behaviorally sometimes mm-hmm. i mean speaking of an example we know of a rather high functioning child on the spectrum who grew, grew up to feel clinically depressed mm-hmm. because he realized that while he could go to school and he could do what most children his age were capable of doing he still knew within him that he was different yeah yeah and he still knew that he had struggles he had social struggles while he could speak and understand and was cognitively you know doing very well he still had communication barriers and those barriers made him feel different right and sometimes feeling different is itself enough to make the child feel anxious or clinically depressed yeah sometimes it's just the awareness that i'm different or i'm not able to do things some certain things as well as my peer group is able or, to do or just the fact that i don't fit in i don't yeah. fit in with the crowd you yeah, know yeah yeah 
and and of course comorbidities like you mentioned uh, anxiety is uh, according to research about 40% of individuals with autism mm-hmm. uh, have a comorbidity of anxiety and uh, that's a huge number that is a huge huge and number it is hard to tease out whether uh, the behaviors that you're seeing are as a result of the anxiety or are the result of the core impairments of autism that is a very tricky distinction right? to very make very tricky distinction but more of that on another note um so you know talking of examples there is this other child on the autism spectrum whose depression arose out of not being able to fully communicate his needs and yet another who's tremendously anxious because he does not have a stable routine and has grown up with a lot of variations and changes at home i mean every day is different so that kind of you know brought in so much of instability in his life so these are children on the spectrum whose comorbidities require that they seek medical support and providing them with the timely support can ensure that they live happier and more fulfilling lives and also i think lives where they can actually learn because yeah. the minute they're learning they're happier they're yeah. more stimulated yes and yes. what happens very often with comorbidities is that learning gets impacted absolutely learning gets impacted and then the quality of life gets impacted and then you have an unhappy individual absolutely so true because you're so anxious that you're obviously not focused on you're not able to put your energies into anything else yep true or feeling so low that you're not thinking of anything else true well currently there is no medication for asd the core or the core deficits of asd there are certain medications that help symptoms that can result in harmful behavior to the child or to others around the child like aggression towards others or self-injurious behavior now these things require effective treatment via both behavior therapy and fda approved drugs such as risperidone or aripizol but then again this is only something that your psychiatrist and your developmental pediatrician can decide together with you for your child So something that we come across very often is questions from parents and doubts about the efficacy of medication. You know, they start on a schedule of medication and then they're like, "Oh, I'm not sure if this works. I'm scared. I don't think there's any change in my child. Mm. You know, nothing has changed. He's just sleepy all the time." Yeah. yeah. So if you're one of them, then here are some tips and points for you to keep in mind. Number 1, healthcare professionals and families need to work together. and that relationship has to be absolutely transparent so important yeah. yeah if the healthcare professional prescribes a schedule of medication then it's up to you as a family to be 100% honest and communicative about the medication usage and any changes that you may see Yeah. The second point to keep in mind is that not every medication helps every person. We're all different and all our bodies are different. So every person's body has a different metabolism rate and reacts differently to medication. You might see changes quickly in one person, you might see changes after a prolonged use of medications mm-hmm. in others. Mm-hmm. And there are serious risks involved in using medicine. but that is something your healthcare provider will factor in before prescribing a drug to you 100% yeah and so, so often i mean you you spoke about being 100% honest and communicative about the use of medications yeah so one of the things that we also see often is that um you know a child is prescribed medication when he was 
say eight years old mm-hmm. and parents continue to use that prescription and with the same dosage of medication even when he is 10 or or 11 but the child is grown up that means his weight has changed yeah and he might need a review and then you blame yeah. it on the medication or just become something that routinely goes into like the a child. vitamin yeah <laughs> so that constant review mm-hmm. constant feedback yeah and constantly watching the child to see if there are changes i think that is so so important so constant reviews with your yeah. pe- your developmental pediatrician and psychiatrist yeah, yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. because medicine by itself does only so much oh yeah yeah so on that note the next time someone speaks up about their mental health journey or the fact that they seek help from a counselor or from a psychiatrist remember that it's really no different from seeing a physician for a body ailment and as for your child with ASD if you feel uncomfortable with the options ahead of you please have a chat with your child psychiatrist and your BCBA to understand the pros and cons of getting mental health help your feelings are valid as are your child's or your loved ones who may require support at some point and the feelings of anxiety stress depression just seeking and normalizing the concept of help both medical and behavioral deserves a big thumbs up absolutely on that note we sign off this episode and we will see you soon shortly mask up double mask up and stay indoors together we will get through this be well 